This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. We're talking healthcare today, August 9th. My name is Christine Hargis, and I'm happy to welcome Motley Fool Healthcare contributor Todd Campbell to the show via Skype. What's new, Todd? Hi, Christine. How are you today? I'm doing great. Before we get are into- Are you excited to talk about some of these uh, this interesting trial result last week? Yes, absolutely. We have a really cool show coming up. But before we dive into it, I have something also very exciting to announce. And that is that the lovely Allison Southwick of the Motley Fool Answers podcast set up a voicemail box where you, our listeners, can call in and leave us a message. While, of course, we're always looking for feedback on how we can make the show better, I want to use it to offer you guys the chance to be on Industry Focus. So here's how it'll work. Todd and I are looking to do a show on pet healthcare. This was a suggestion that came through our Motley Fool podcast Facebook page, which you should definitely join if you're not already a part of it. And what we need from you is your best tale, no pun intended, of the craziest thing that you've had to take your pet to the vet or the hospital for. So tell us, what did what did Fido eat? Or whatever your best story is. Or alternatively, tell us a tip you have for saving money on pet care. I know there have got to be a lot of good money-saving tips out there. Shoot for about 60 seconds or less, and hopefully we'll get some great messages that we can play on air. The number to call into is 866-677-3665, which oddly enough spells 866-MRS-FOOL. I'm not really sure why. Many thanks in advance, and I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. So, with that out of the way, Todd, as you alluded to, we've got some really interesting stuff to cover today. GlaxoSmithKline has announced a money-back guarantee payment structure for a gene therapy drug, which is the first time that we're seeing something like this happen. But first, we want to talk about a type of cancer drug called PD-1, particularly in light of some disappointing recent news out of Bristol-Myers Squibb. Yeah, Christine, I mean, this surprised everybody. Bristol-Myers is one of a, a few different companies that are developing or have developed uh, drugs that can inhibit uh, PD-1. And, you know, basically what we're talking about here is anything that we can do to help the immune system better find and destroy cancer uh, is a good thing. And one of, cancer's, one of cancer's worst tricks is that it can just hide from the immune system, and they have a really elaborate way of doing this. And so PD-1 is one of the ways that researchers have found to kind of work around that and expose these cells in order to have the immune system be able to attack them. Exactly. And if you take drugs like Bristol-Myers Updevo, it will uh, basically stop cancer from being able to use that pathway to, to hide from the immune system. And what we found so far in trials up to this point is that Optivo is, um, is very uh, successful in helping the body get rid of cancer, in, in kidney cancer, uh, in, in various other cancers. And, and it's even been shown to be helpful in um, helping treat recurrent non-small uh, cell lung cancer. And that's important because there's a trial that, that unfortunately just uh, failed that Bristol-Myers was running. And um, that trial was for first-line use in uh, treatment-naive uh, lung cancer patients. So unfortunately, Optivo did not deliver the goods 
in this trial. And it's important to note that this was a trial for frontline treatment, so the very first therapy that you would get. And one of the reasons that it was so shocking is because a competitor, Merck, who has a very similar PD-1 drug called Keytruda, met their primary and secondary endpoints in a trial as for uh, Keytruda as a monotherapy for advanced non-small cell lung cancer less than two months ago. And so with Bristol failing in their trial, that's the first time that these two have generated completely different clinical outcomes in the same indication. Right, and you could see the, the market reaction uh, to that news. It was to knock Bristol-Myers down by about 20% and to for investors to flock instead to Merck. Um, what's interesting about this is that since both of them have the same target, PD-1, uh, um, why is it that, that Keytruda's work, Keytruda worked where Optivo didn't? And, you know, as investors, we have to remember that sometimes the devil's in the details and it's important to dig a little bit deeper. Uh, and when you do that, you kind of start to see why Keytruda won while Optivo didn't. And that had everything to do with trial design. Yeah, I mean, basically, people who are looking at this story now uh, have to understand that when Bristol-Myers set up their trial, they did it to study uh, the efficacy of this drug in patients that were expressing greater than, I think it was 5% uh, PD-1. And Keytruda's trial was designed to evaluate patients expressing 50%. Uh, not 5%. Yeah, that's so a huge very difference. very high-expressing PD-1 patients. Yep. And so it almost doesn't come as, as much of a shock when you look at that particular detail. What I would be really interested to see, they didn't release the full data set from the Bristol-Myers uh, trial yet. That's going to come out later on this year. But I'll be very interested to see if, if they break out the response rates uh, and the efficacy by... Um, uh, PD-1 expression. They would have to, I would think. Yeah, it would not shock me at all if they showed similar response rates uh, to Keytruda in the high-expressing patients. That being said, you know, the trial wasn't powered, it wasn't designed to to look at this um, uh, high-expressing patients, so it's kind of irrelevant. Um, I don't think that they would be able to file for a a label expansion um, in the high-expressing patients based on on this trial. I guess we'll have to see how that all flushes out. You always want to be wary of post hoc analysis. And really what you're seeing here is just a case of Bristol being a little bit too ambitious. It was probably an easier target to hit just those with greater than 50% expression. But they wanted to go for a broader indication, and they missed the mark. But interestingly... Yep, absolutely, absolutely. But investors, you know, so that, that of course raises the big question, Christine, right? Which, what's should investors do now? Should they, you know, continue to, to walk away from Bristol Myers, or should they uh, should they embrace Merck? I mean, where do we go from here, right? So, Updivo has thus far been the winner between these two drugs. They brought in Updivo did about 840 million in sales in the second quarter of 2016. That was up almost 600 percent year over year. And this is compared to 314 million for Keytruda. Um, however, Keytruda also did get some really positive press that uh, the drug was able to rid Jimmy Carter, former president, of detectable tumors from his melanoma that had spread to his brain. And this makes headlines as a miraculous cure and was a lot of really positive press for Merck. Yeah, Optivo is, uh, has some advantages as far as some, some uh, testing advantages over Keytruda in some cases. 
And a lot of people think that that maybe is why uh, people have embraced that drug versus Keytruda uh, more. Um, I, you know, investors probably should realize that this is going to be a short-term hit to Bristol-Myers earnings next year. Analysts have already cut 20 cents off their forecast for next year. Um, they've added $0.08 cents to uh, Merck's estimate for next year. Um, but both of these companies, I, this is not a deal-breaker for either or a deal-maker for either of these companies, really. I mean, Keytruda is uh, probably going to be able to benefit from, you know, capturing maybe a billion dollars extra in sales. That's, that's certainly not chump change. But we, we have to recognize, too, that, you know, this is just one trial that's going on in this patient population. And there are other trials that are, that are occurring right now that could, you know, basically make this a non-event a year from now. Right. There are dozens of clinical trials going on for Opdivo. And this, this was, as you mentioned, just one of them. Something else I'll point out is that there are other PD-1s being developed. AstraZeneca has one. Um, and, and I think the broader question that is raised here has to do with class-wide uh, perceptions of a therapy. So this is the PD-1 class. And I think it's pretty easy to, to think a little bit misguidedly that any drug in this class is going to have the same type of clinical results and the same type of real-life efficacy. And that might not exactly be true. And this is important to remember because this is not the only drug class that has multiple drugs. You've also got your PCSK9 inhibitors, SGLT2 inhibitors. Where we've talked about a lot of different targets that fall under this class uh, this class category. And people often assume that the effects that one shows a show are class-wide, and they're not always. So it's just a good reminder for investors looking at the healthcare space to take the drugs individually and actually look at the different results that they post. Right, and to consider the trial design, you know, because, I mean, you're right, two months ago with Keytruda's positive uh, result in their trial, a lot of people probably didn't dig in uh, to, to see if there might be differences in the way Optivo's trial was designed. Um, so, I, I, yes, investors shouldn't just assume that because one drug that works has the same target uh, works, another one will as well. Right. We are halfway through our show, and that means it's time to turn our attention to the other topic du jour, which is gene therapy, and specifically a GlaxoSmithKline gene therapy that promises your money back if it doesn't work. But first, a quick message from today's sponsor. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. If you've ever bought a home, then you know how frustrating and time-consuming getting a mortgage can be. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century by taking all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your own financial situation. And you can do it all on your phone or your tablet. So, if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Okay, let's turn our attention back to gene therapy now. Todd, what do we need to know? This is just a really interesting story, especially given how much everybody has talked about cancer drug pricing over the course of the last couple of years. I think it's probably not brand new news to our listeners that most cancer drugs that are getting approved today are hitting the market with six-figure price tags. 
And when we talk about that, we have to also then talk about the expensive uh, drugs that are being developed for other diseases as well, including rare diseases. And what I found really fascinating about this story is that GlaxoSmithKline just won approval for a drug called Strimbellus over in Europe. And it's going to be sold in Italy. And as part of the negotiation with Italy to provide this drug to patients, they agreed that if the drug doesn't work, they'll refund the cost. And that is pretty interesting, especially when we start thinking about how that could be used in other um, uh, disease classes or indications like cancer. Absolutely. So Strimvelis is $665,000. That's the list price for one-time treatment. That is over half a million dollars. But, Glaxo says, but this is something that you only need to do once. And when you look at what it treats, it's a a rare disease called ADA-SCID, ADA-SCID. And basically what this is, it's also known as the bubble boy disease because the immune system doesn't properly defend the body against infections. So patients are essentially forced to live in a sterile environment, hence, hence the bubble boy name. So Glaxo tested this in 18 children, and they found that with 15 of them, a single therapy of Strimvelis was enough to cure them. But then you have the three children that it didn't work for. Right. And what Italy said is, listen, this is a very expensive drug, and it's not going to work every time. So if you want us to be able to pay, if you want us to pay $665,000 for this treatment, you got to be willing to give it, give the money back if it if it doesn't work in those three patients. I mean, I think they're estimating that one out of every six uh, patients that's treated uh, will end up being you know, getting getting the, a refund. Um, so that that's that's pretty fascinating. But the other thing that jumps out to me, Christine, from the story is that wow, it was really only treated uh, tested in eighteen children, and that just shows you how rare this disease is. I think they estimate there's only about a dozen people in Europe, all throughout Europe, uh, that that are born with this condition uh, every year. And if you run the numbers using that, if you have 12 children a year that are born with this disease in the EU, treating all of them would result in about $8 million of revenue. And then if you refund one in six, which that's based on your three out of 18 that, that didn't have a result, that's only $6.65 million in revenue, which is just not going to move the needle for Glaxo. And really, when I look at this story, I think that it's painting Glaxo in a pretty positive light, that they are researching a disease that's really not going to make them much money. And they're saying that they're so confident in it that they're willing to give the money back if their therapy doesn't work. It's, it's, it's a fascinating step in what could be a, a very new model that gets rolled out globally for, for paying for uh, drugs, especially as these drugs get more and more expensive. You know, Italy has been a pioneer in these types of arrangements, and, and this is the first arrangement they've made. They've actually been working on these pay-for-performance deals since 2007, and they did a, a bunch of uh, these deals with cancer drug makers back in 2010. Uh, not exactly the same thing, not full 100% refunds, but getting back price discounts uh, for, for when the drugs don't work as well 
as maybe quote unquote advertised. What I think that this does say about Glaxo uh, and, and I guess maybe the, the broader research into the use gene replacement or, or gene uh, type um, therapies is that um, companies are willing to investigate novel um, payment structures or reimbursement structures if it means being able to get um, a larger price for their product um, down the road. Um, Glaxo is probably thinking the long game here. And, you know, they're, they're working on some cancer drug therapies with a small company named Ad- Adaptimmune. Um, these are early stage trials for uh, gene-based, you know, TCR therapies, uh, toll receptor therapies um, that, that, who knows, maybe those would come out uh, in targeting small patient populations and have similar pricing um, arrangements in the future as well. It's a very interesting story. We're going to have to keep an eye on it because it could, you know, make a big shift in, in how this industry operates. I think this is Glaxo simply getting their hands a little bit dirty in this new pricing model and also in gene therapy, which should be poised to become a lot more broadly used than just this one drug in Italy. There's drugs coming soon for hemophilia, brain diseases, eye diseases, definitely something to watch going forward. That's going to do it for your healthcare edition of Industry Focus. I'm really looking forward to hearing all of your pet health voicemails. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!